This podcast is made possible by Workiva and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Brenda Morris, CFO of various consumer product companies, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 385. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we feature early lessons from five of our CFO Thought Leaders. That's right. Our finance thought leaders today look back to those early chapters of their careers they believe helped influence the trajectory of their careers. Our early lessons episode begins after these words from our sponsor. Workiva transforms the way people work through connected reporting and compliance. The facts are... A majority of senior accounting and finance professionals say their financial reporting involves a huge amount of manual work and is inherently error-prone, leading to risk. Risk that's intensified by new business complexities and the changing business climate. Link data elements, numbers, narrative, and calculations together everywhere you use them. When you change data at the source, it's changed at the destination. Gaining trust in your data and processes is that simple. Join over 3,500 customers who enjoy the benefits of using Workiva by connecting their organizations from record to report. Visit workiva.com slash CFO. Our first early lesson is shared by Carol Lowe, who is today CFO of Flare Systems. Here's Carol. My first job out of college was with um, Ernst & Young, now EY, uh, in audit, and I progressed to become an audit manager. And one key thing I learned as I would go from client to client, uh, conducting those audits, working with a team, was how critical it was to understand the business that we were auditing. If I went in with the the checklist and was just looking at transactions and checking off if they were properly recorded, I, I wasn't really doing my job or meeting the client's needs because those audits needed to be risk based. And if you did not understand the business, you did not understand the risk. And um, an, an example I can give you, we were doing an audit for a company in Massachusetts, and we were you know, focused on doing a lot of the transactional testing. And one evening in the hotel room, uh, after we had completed the day's work, I was looking through a local newspaper and noticed an advertisement for the building where we were, the company was located, that it was for sale. No one at the management team had highlighted that, and for an entire corporate location to be selling the building within which it was located, that was that was a red flag. And what I realized is we we weren't asking some basic questions about 
the future of the business, what was going on, because we were so laser focused in and just kicking and tying things. Um, and it made a big difference in terms of how we looked at the business and where we needed to focus our efforts. So I, th I think that was key uh, to understand that. And I've carried that with me as I move forward. When I left public accounting after my husband and I had our son and I wanted a little less travel uh, and went to National Gypsum Company, uh, second largest gypsum wallboard manufacturer in the U.S., um, it was really important to me to understand the business and how I, as a finance person, could add value. And I carried with me from Ernst & Young a great passion for working in a team-based environment, and that allowed me a lot of opportunities to be on projects uh, where it wasn't just finance-driven. Uh, I, I, I got to experience, and I drove and committed to be a business partner. And when I went to Carlisle as treasurer and then became CFO and had the opportunity to become a division president for two different divisions, I think it's because at the heart of it, one thing that I've learned in my career is personally and with the team that I work with is trying to operate with agility to respond to business needs, business risks. Through that agility, having the information to develop insights, and then with those insights, you truly can be a strong business partner sitting at the table and help drive differentiated values and enable the businesses to deliver on their strategic plans for customers and shareholders and all the stakeholders. Bill Swanson is today a CFO in the building supply industry, but for the balance of his career, he was in the office supply space where he held a variety of titles. He did climb the ranks uh, in, of the finance function uh, more than once, and he held the CFO title multiple times. Here's how he tells it. I always wanted to be a big eight partner back when there were eight of the large public accounting firms. We now know there's the, it's the final four. Uh, and I ended up uh, started getting my CPA and starting off at uh, Touche Ross um, and uh, found out relatively quickly uh, that it's a, it's a very interesting world there, uh, a lot different than the world I wanted to be in. I really wanted to make more of an impact on an organization as opposed to be auditing. Uh, as you know what they say about auditors, uh, they'll come in after the battle's been fought and bayonet the wounded. That wasn't what I really wanted to do. Uh, and uh, then spent a good time of my career at uh, Quill, now called Quill.com, a uh, fantastic organization in the office supplies industry. Uh, and, and when you talk about some of the key milestones, uh, I would have to say the biggest one was the opportunity to become treasurer at Staples. I was uh, invited there after the acquisition of Quill Corporation by Staples back in 1998. Their treasurer position had opened. I was fortunate enough to work closely with John Maney, the CFO, and Tom Stenberg, the founder of Staples, who invited me up there to be their, their treasurer. 
and and so before that time, I really didn't know much about capital markets at all. But it was an, a fantastic opportunity for me. Uh, and then even taking that further was to go into uh, the European catalog business and to be its CFO. Uh, and this was on an after an acquisition we had done in Europe, and uh, really uh, to leverage the skills that I had gained in the um, direct marketing arena at Quill Corporation, but then also to really understand a lot more about cultural diversity, ways people look at and think about business, about going to market, uh, about uh, uh, managing the customer relationships uh, uh, from first appealing to them and ultimately collecting from them. And there's different ways you go about that, and especially in Europe where you have so many different cultures, languages, etc. And and so that was fantastic in my finance career. Uh, And I moved beyond that uh, actually again with Staples as I became their general manager of Medical Arts Press, which is a business located in the Twin Cities. Uh, And that's what took me beyond finance. Um, So so I'd have to say those were probably the three key milestones of my career. Jackie Barry Hamilton is today CFO of NetCracker, a wholly owned subsidiary of NEC Technologies. Included among her CFO tours of duty are Monster Worldwide and Corporate Software. Here's what Jackie shared with us. Oh, sure. For me, first and foremost, was choosing the right company. Early in my career, I moved from banking to technology, which was a great move, and I joined a company called Corporate Software. CorpSoft was a reseller of desktop and server-based software to the Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 marketplace. This particular company was in the right place at the right time. We had a management team that was ready and willing to take risks to drive growth, and the company grew. When I, when I joined the company, it was $300 million in revenues, and uh, when I left when we ultimately sold the company, we had over a billion dollars in revenue and operations in 14 con- countries. Growth like this supports a career, it supports tenure, it supports a promotion track, and for me, my run with the company went from senior financial analyst to ultimately CFO of the company. It was a, it was a really great run. Um, the next milestone for me would be, would be working with a CEO who when when after offering me the role of, of interim CFO, um, I turned him down and he accepted my counter proposal of making me CFO rather than interim CFO. Um, it was a bit of a measured risk on both sides and in the fullness of time it was a risk that ultimately paid off for us both in and I hope and I think for the company. And finally having the privilege of working with a CEO who believed in promoting women to the executive ranks of the company. I've been working for a while and, and it's taken a while for women to be to be active participants in the executive ranks and to have the opportunity to be promoted to the C level of a company. We feature two more early lessons from our CFO thought leaders after these words from our sponsor. 
You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Before Bruce Hartman was named CFO of Cushman Wakefield, and before he was CFO at Foot Locker, he was climbing the ranks at May's department store. Here's Bruce. Early bosses said to me, 
pay, to, pay attention to what I do that you think is right and try to avoid doing what you think I did that was wrong. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but what Joe was telling me, that's the name of the individual who told me this, was that to, to be successful, you have to, you have to watch great people um, do great things and try to understand why they did what they did. And like any young person, not everything that we see um, people do um, should we emulate. And being able to know the difference was something that was very important. So I was really lucky that I had some tremendous um, people that helped me. The, for instance, the uh, COO, Jerry, Jerry Lowe, who I told you when my assignment at Famous Bar, he would meet me every morning at 7.30 at my car because we parked near each other. And he'd walk me into my office, uh, coaching me the whole way to the office. Some days that was uh, a difficult walk, and other days it was a great walk. So number one is people. It's having smart people mentor and care for the younger executives I thought was very helpful for me. The second thing is our training was extraordinary. Um, we probably spent, I would say, 10 days a year with some form of training, whether it was how do you manage people, what do you look for in people, um, how do you effectively communicate. So it was a big part of the culture was that we all learned Ranazia's most recent CFO tour of duty was as the finance leader of Dress Barn, but her most formative days were spent at the Gap. Here's Rana. Uh, the value of investing in myself. 
myself and in my team and how important that was for my growth as well as the team's, the team's growth. So that, that was really eye-opening and I really took that into my future roles. And then finally, I would say uh, the other my, milestone when, was when I actually left The Gap. I had been there for 10 years um, and I went and took a divisional CFO, CFO role at Sears. Um, while I was only there for a year, you know, for me, it was really important to get out of my comfort zone, which was 10 years with one company, um, and take a risk and learn new experiences. And while I would say that I had my ups and downs in that first year or in that only year years, um, it was really, really important, and it helped me hit the ground running when I was offered the CFO role at Dressmark. So I would just say, for me, just pushing myself out of my comfort zone um, was really key to help me continue to progress. Now, did I say we would be featuring five CFOs? Well, we have a bonus for you. This is number six, Brenda Morris, who's today CFO of Apex Parks Group. Here's Brenda's early lesson. With uh, reflecting back to, I think, probably the most... uh, single defining moment when I knew that I wanted to be a CFO and I wanted to move into that role. And it was actually issued a little bit as a challenge, I think, from a, from an old boss almost uh, 20 years ago. And I was a controller uh, at the company, great company in Seattle. And he was an incredibly smart man. I considered him uh, a mentor of, of, of a form and just a, a really uh, wonderful guy in the apparel industry, which is which is an industry I've spent a lot of time in. And we were sitting chatting one day and just talking about the future, the future of the company, my future and such. And, you know, I mentioned that I'd like to eventually be a CFO. And I remember very clearly, like it was yesterday, he, he laughed and he said, you will never be a CFO. He said, you have way too much personality to be a CFO. And I, and it was at that point that I said to myself, I will be a CFO and I will keep my personality. And, uh, he and I laughed later about two years after that. I took a role that, uh, that at a different company where I uh, was eventually then promoted to the CFO role and have been in that role since. And he actually loved the fact that the challenge he issued was, uh, one that I was willing to try and get past. So I think it was uh, not necessarily a specific, you know, technical milestone, but was certainly something that, you know, made me really think about where I wanted to go in my future. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, Thought Leader listeners, you can now go premium at cfothoughtleader.com.